You're listening to Faith Assembly of God Online, a recording of our weekly service. Thanks for joining with us, a place where hope and reality converge. Jesus Christ is coming again, amen? Amen. He is coming for a pure and spotless bride. I, uh, there's, there's without a doubt, you can't live today without anticipating or expecting that there's something about to happen. How many just have that, there's just that, that stirring, there's something about to happen. And that something is either going to be a, a great awakening of God's spirit or the rapture of the church. And Lord, either one, make us ready for what it is that you are doing in our day and in our time. Acts chapter 19, if you have your Bibles this morning, we'll continue this series entitled The Whole Truth. And our desire has been to just look at some of the, or not some of, but the four main core doctrines or core values of the church and identifying just the whole truth, the the big picture, the story behind those things. And uh, we know and understand that we can live our lives on partial truth or we can live our lives on the whole truth. We can live our lives on a portion, or we can live our lives on the whole. And we talked the, the first week that sometimes we're, we're literally stuck between the rock and hard places. We're stuck between the rock and the hard place because we anticipate or we desire to honor God, but sometimes we're still struggling with our stubborn ways, and instead of surrendering to God, we're stuck between trusting Him wholeheartedly and still trying to fix it on our own. Have you ever been there? Stuck between the rock and a hard place, and those times of just being able to surrender and saying, God, I trust you. John chapter 8, verse 31, 32, Jesus said this to the people who believed in Him. Understand, he said this to the people who believed in him. He said, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. How many thank God that he came to set us free? He came to to bring us truth and to bring freedom in our lives and he wants to bring a truth and allow that truth to cultivate and work in us that it would set us free. You know, there can be such a thing as believing people, believers who are bound. There can be such a thing that you can believe and still be bound. You can believe. Now, I didn't say possessed. Believers can't be possessed by the devil. But there's still an oppression or a heaviness that the enemy can bring that you can be a unwhole or or not complete in the fullness of what God has for you because you can still be a believer who is lacking, who is missing. But we want to look at the whole truth of what God wants to bring us. He wants us to live in the freedom that he has for us. Who the Son sets free is free completely, absolutely, indeed, in every measure. Has anyone ever ridden a unicycle you know no one ever rides unicycles you know i never see kids just riding down the street delivering newspapers on their unicycle you don't really see that much on on a unicycle it's limited and and if you did anyone ever attempt to ride a unicycle yeah so it's interesting we had more attempt riders than we had actual riders we as they would attempted to ride a unicycle a little more of that and you understand I remember I was in uh, elementary school and we had a guy come in and he did all these tricks on a unicycle and so he uh, after the the program the school assembly allowed some people to come and try out the unicycle and I had a friend of mine who was trying out the unicycle and he was one of those guys that he could do anything you know those people in the in the world they start out young they're better at everything than you are you know how many know you, you, you find those people even young in life? I remember being a little kid, and I was never as good as him, and he would let me know it. 
We'd play kickball at recess, and I could never kick as far as him. And he wanted to remind me, and he let me know that I could, I'd never be as good as he is. I'd never be able to do all that he could. And so he was going to show us how to ride a unicycle. And i got to admit, I was kind of happy that he couldn't do it. There's a little bit of this, this delight in me that said, hmm, so I guess you can't do everything. But realize, I didn't jump on there either. I didn't mind making the thought or the consideration of, hey, you can't do that. I can't either. But you realize that when you try to ride the, the unicycle, you know how much I didn't try it, but how much balance that must take? It's not too free. It's not really a free ride, you know what I mean, where you can just enjoy the ride because the balance that it takes on a unicycle. You can go to a bicycle, and that can be a little more free and a little more relaxing. You know, hey, look, Mom, no hands. Whee. But still there's a balance in something that's required. It's not as liberating. It's not as freeing. You go to a, a, a three-wheeler or a tricycle or, or something, you've got the, the three-wheeler, and you can ride in, in that, and it's, still, it's a little more freeing, but not as much because that single wheel can just move, and, and you still have to hold the control, and you always have to remain in control. There's part of it. But when you get onto a four-wheeler, it is a lot easier when there are four points connected to the, that are touching the ground, and there's more stability. There's more of a freeing or liberating opportunity on those things because every time you're in a place of trying to balance, balance is all about what you have control of. You have to balance on a unicycle. You can't rest on a unicycle. But you put all four wheels on the ground, you can rest a little more because there's more support. There's more that can hold you. There's more stability. There's less work that you have to do. Does that make sense? And in our relationship with Christ, when we allow ourselves to be grounded on the whole truth, we recognize that there's less work that we have to do because the balancing is what we have control of, but the resting is who has control of us. You can rest a lot more when you're not in the process of trying to balance your life, but when you're in the process of resting and being at rest in the work that God is doing and has done in our lives, I would much rather rest than have to balance. I would much rather be able to rest in Christ than have to balance and work and keep everything in order and in place these four points, just like a, a, a chair that would touch the, the, the ground and you're sitting on a chair right now, how uncomfortable it would be if one of those legs broke and you're on three chairs, or three legs. You have to hold that with three legs. You know how much more uncomfortable it is to hold it with two legs? Imagine taking, right now you're, rest, you're, you're, you're resting on that chair. You have a confidence and a weight that is resting on that chair. When I was uh, uh, at a uh, baseball banquet when I was a little kid and, and I did one of those things where I pushed off the table and was balancing myself on two legs. How many have ever done that in school? And the teachers say, all fours, please. All fours, that's all she would say. Yeah, we got just last week, right? No, maybe not. <laughs> I remember I'm on those, I'm just, I'm just balancing myself, and all of a sudden they called my name, and it was an opportunity for me to go up, and they were waiting for the person who was going to get the next award, and it was my name. They had called my name, and the moment they called my name, instead of all the attention being up front to where I could go and get the award, all the attention got called because when I went to move, I slipped on those two legs or I, the chair went out from under me. And instead of it being an opportunity to go in front of everybody, I fell flat on my back and that metal chair hit that floor and it made the loudest noise. And at that moment, instead of everybody watching the person who was about to get the award, everybody was wondering if the person on the ground was okay. Why? Because it's a lot safer to be on all fours. It's safer to be grounded and in our lives to be at a place. And sometimes we can be between that point of, God, I trust you, but I'm not sure. You know what I'm talking about. God, I believe you. I want to trust you with that, but I'm not sure. And you're balancing between this. 
You're balancing between this part of being able to trust God through what you're going through right now. God, I want to trust that you have a relationship for me out there. I want to trust that you've got someone. I want to trust that you know my needs. I want to trust, but I'm not so sure. And we can balance between those things sometimes. But when we allow ourselves to be anchored, when we allow ourselves to know that he has everything under control, we can build our lives firmly on the whole truth of his word and nothing but the truth. So help us, God. These four core values of the church that we were talking about. First week, we talked about salvation. And salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. There is no other way to heaven except through Jesus Christ. You won't get to heaven and he'll say, well, let's put the the scales together and see if your good outweighs your bad. Of course, we will give an account for everything done, but that won't determine our salvation. That won't determine our entrance into heaven. That will determine the rewards that we receive from God. Yes, there is a weighing out that will determine rewards, but the salvation and the entry into heaven is not about your good and bad. That is about whether or not the blood of Jesus has been applied to your life. Whether or not you have put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. Last week we emphasized healing. That Our core value of the church is that we believe in a God who heals today. We believe in a God who is able to touch bodies and to restore. Raise your hand if recently or sometime in the past, some point in your life, that God has done a miracle in your body. In your body. Raise your hand if God has ever done a miracle in your body. Absolutely. Come on, let's give God praise for that this morning. God, thank you for your miracles, for your healing. He is a God God who is still doing those things. Some of the miracles that God has done in our lives are the healing, the intervention that God has done in our lives. Sometimes we don't even know it. Sometimes God has blessed us and we're not even aware of it. I remember uh, being a youth pastor here and, and there was one time uh, I was driving, um, driving in my, my K car. Those of you who were in youth group remember when I drove my K car. And I was driving in my K car at the, uh, the five corners and, and uh, there uh, now the Walgreens and we had lived out in that area. And as I was making that turn, all of a sudden, Jaron in the back seat, in his car seat, opens the door. Now, he's belted in, and that door is there, and the fortunate thing was that as he had pulled it, it started to go, but as soon as I came back around, the door didn't open, and I had to do one of those things of, thank you, Jesus. I didn't have that fancy car where you could set the automatic, you know, kids' locks or whatever, and so he was messing with the thing, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and it was one of those moments that said, God, you're so good, because that could have been altogether different. And the Holy Spirit just clearly spoke to me and said, Jason, you don't know how good I am to you because there are things you can't even perceive or even know that I've intervened, that I've worked in your life. That there's, you don't even understand all the things that I've done in your life. And God, by his grace and his mercy, is with us and is healing and providing that he is always at work in our lives. That's the kind of God that we serve. He's a God that, 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 that works in the midst of every circumstance. He is still a healer today. We're talking this morning then, the third core value of our church is this, that we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the fullness of the Spirit. We're going to talk about that today. And then next week, we're going to conclude with this, the core value or the belief, core belief of our church is we believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ. We believe in the rapture of the church. We believe in, in the, the, the great reward, the blessed hope, as the Bible calls it. These things that we live our lives on, and they produce in us a great hope. And our lives need to be balanced in those things that God is doing in our lives. There's sometimes, instead of walking in the freedom of God's Spirit, Sometimes life causes us to feel smothered, 
to feel trapped, to feel like nothing's ever going right in our lives. You ever felt that way? You ever felt in those moments where nothing's going the way you want? You can't, there, nothing's happening, and you, and you keep trying. And here's the struggle. This is not the freedom. You can know Jesus, but you can still leave, live in the burden of feeling like you have to do something in order to get God's blessing. We don't work for God's blessing. We worship God for his blessing, and he pours out abundance. It's not a work. It's a worship as we honor him. We don't work for it. We worship because of who he is, and because of who he is is made more clear in our minds and in our hearts and in our lives, and the more clear things are, the more open you are to receive more that God has for you. The more understanding you have, the more open you become to receive what God has for you. And so God is letting us go through things sometimes that he's allowing us to understand him more than we knew him before. He's given us a greater understanding in those things. And sometimes when we get in those places, we've got to allow God, uh, allow God to work in us and to lead us to the rock that is higher than we are. Psalm 61.2 says, From the ends of the earth I call to you, I call as my heart grows faint. And maybe you're here today and your heart is faint, your heart is heavy, but here's what it says. He makes this his prayer. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I am. God, give me a perspective that is not my own. Help me to have a perspective that is higher than what I can perceive and higher than what I can know. This morning in your Bibles, if you have uh, Luke 19, we're going to be looking, Luke 19 verse 1, and we're going to be talking about the infilling, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's a scripture that you may have heard, but in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, the Bible says this, you don't have to turn there, but the Bible says this, that in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be witnesses. Everybody say witnesses. You'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, throughout Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, that you will be my witnesses. Now, I don't know if you've ever had this opportunity, but when you have to serve as a witness, they call you to the stand, and when you get to the stand, you have to raise your right hand, and then you have to say out loud, you have to say that you promise to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God. So what I want to do this morning is I want to declare that we want to become witnesses, greater witnesses of God's power and God's promise. So I want you to stand your feet this morning, and I want you to raise your hand to the Lord today. Would you just stand? And I want you to just lift your hand to the Lord. And let's just ask God to enable us this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask, Lord, that as we look at this word, that God, you would cause us to have understanding. That, Lord, your truth would come alive in us. That, God, we would receive. Come on, just ask him that this morning. Say, God, I want you to reveal to me your truth. I want you to show me your your truth. I want to know you more today. Come on, make that your prayer. Young people, just say that to God. Say, God, I want to, I want to know you more today. So, Father, this morning, as we look at your word, we pray that your truth would be revealed to us. Lord, help us to have understanding. We pray, oh God, Lord, even those today that, Lord, have not been filled with the Holy Spirit, God, I pray there'd be an understanding. We pray against every confusion. Lord, everything that would, that would take away from you, God, and take away from your work, we bind it right now in Jesus' name. God, every, every criticism, every, uh, every, everything that would, that would come against your working, Lord, we just pray that you would be glorified. And Lord, make us witnesses for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 19, you can remain standing. We're going to look at this word. I caught you before you sat down. While you're standing, you might as well. Acts chapter 19, here's what it says. While Apollos was at Corinth. 
Paul took the road through the interior and he arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard what the Holy Spirit is or that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they said. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. We're going to take a look at this this morning of the work, the secondary work that Jesus Christ has done. So I want you to ask your neighbor before you're seated this morning, I want you to ask them, have you received the Holy Spirit when you believed? Have you received the Holy Spirit when you believed? You may be seated. Some of you are like, you asked a question, I don't even know what I just asked. That's okay, we'll try and explain it. And some of it we can't explain because it's by faith that you receive the work that Jesus desires to do in our lives. But have you received the Holy Spirit when you believed? This morning the title is simply this, there's more to the story. Have you ever been in a conversation and someone shares the story and you get the story and then you go somewhere else to talk to somewhere else, someone else and you realize they didn't tell you all the story? There's more to the story than what they were telling you in the first time you heard it? You know, there's time there's more to the story. Now, this is not one of those things that anybody was hiding from them, but Paul finds these believers. Now, realize this. Paul finds believers. There was something that was evident in their lives that they were followers of Jesus Christ. So they were followers of Jesus Christ to which Paul identified that. And then Paul tells them, not indirectly, but he's saying, hey, guys, there's more to the story because he asked the question, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Have you received the Holy Spirit when you believed? You see, Paul asking that question tells us this, that there are two separate works of the Holy Spirit in our lives. There is a Holy Spirit, they're not, they're, it's the same Spirit of God, the Spirit of God who, is in, or God who is three persons, God the Father, God the Son, revealed through Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it, it is a he. It is, not a, it is not a thing, it is a person, it is a part of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is among us. We can pray to the Father, we pray to the Son, we pray to the Holy Spirit. All of those three, that is God in, in, the, in the fullness, that he, God uses those things to draw us to the work that He is doing in our lives. Now, here it is, Paul says to them, he recognizes that they were believers in Jesus Christ. But then he asked them, have you believed? You see, if Paul would have just assumed, hey, you're believers, therefore, since you're believers, you must have received the Holy Spirit. But Paul knew that just because you believe on Jesus, just because you receive salvation, doesn't mean you've received the Holy Spirit. Now, I know there, there is a part, there is a, there is a understanding or a thought that says you receive the Holy Spirit at the time of salvation. Now, the Holy Spirit is at work in bringing us to Christ. But there is a separate part of being born. And here's the two words. You can write this down, two phrases. It's one thing to be born of the Spirit. It's another thing to be filled with the Spirit. Listen, the first time I am born of the Spirit, but then in the second work of the Spirit, I am filled 
with the Spirit. Now, how many know both, if, if you study the Bible, you read the Bible, both phrases and both contexts are referred to in the Bible, that there is a born of the Spirit, and then there is a filled with the Spirit. Now, we are that process, when we are filled with the Spirit, is separate from when we come to know Jesus Christ and that bringing us. Here it is, John the Baptist, who was the, the one who went before Jesus, the forerunner of Jesus. We are forerunners of Jesus, that we are declaring Jesus to our world. Now, I want you to hear this. This is going to be more teaching this morning because I want you to hear the distinction because we will never desire more of God sometimes because there can be either confusion or there can be a misunderstanding or something that causes us to think as if there's not more that God has for us. I want you to know there is more that God has for you. God wants to fill you with the power of his Holy Spirit. The signs and wonders, the Bible says, will follow those who believe. Signs and wonders and the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of, 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 is in the life of believers, not meant for evangelists and pastors and for select few and certain individuals. It is available to those who believe. Do you agree with that this morning? God is not a respecter of person. I'm not in a closer walk or a closer relationship to Jesus than you are. I have different responsibilities than you do. We have different responsibilities, but the same one who gives those responsibilities to us. We walk in the same power, the same spirit. That, we walk, or that is, I should say, not that we walk in it, but it's available to all of us. It's available to each and every one of us. John the Baptist, when he went to baptize a forerunner of Jesus, here's what John the Baptist said. I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with John the Baptist is identifying there is a work of the Spirit that brings you to salvation or repentance, and then there is a separate work that is the fire, the, the, the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself in Acts chapter 1 verse 5, this is what Jesus said. These are Jesus' words. Jesus said, John the Baptist baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He's acknowledging and saying that you are baptized in, in the water and repentance, but there is more. Now, I want you to hear this morning, there are three different baptisms that every believer goes through or is available to every believer. Here's the first baptism. The first baptism is this, that we are baptized into Christ. The first baptism is we're baptized into Christ. When Jesus died on the cross and when his blood poured from Calvary, that blood, because of us repenting and coming to Jesus Christ, that blood baptizes us. Now, I realize that can be one of those gruesome kind of weird pictures. And so we understand it's not a literal sense, but because of what Jesus has done on the cross, that his blood was poured out. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins, the Bible says. And so my first baptism or the first baptism of a believer is that we are baptized or washed or covered into Christ, and that is through the blood. How many know that that is the beginning and the Holy Spirit draws us to that work? Now, we do not receive the Holy Spirit at the time of salvation, but the Holy Spirit is at work in us at the time of salvation. How many have ever felt conviction? That's the Holy Spirit working on us. How many know that even after you've come to Christ, you still are susceptible and should be open to feeling conviction? I want the convicting work of God to be in my life. It's a dangerous thing when I get to a place and I don't feel convicted anymore. When I don't feel convicted, I have made the, the alarms numb in my mind and I have become, I've made myself comfortable. It's like going to sleep when the, when the fire alarm is going off and ignoring the fire alarm and you've learned how to just shut it off in your mind. That's not an ability. That's a danger. 
That's not a gift. I'm a special person. I can shut off the alarms and still sleep. That's not good. But we can sometimes condition ourselves, and we can, we can many times, instead of basing our experiences off of the Word of God, we can make reality our experiences and neglect the Word of God. If the experience is not found in the Word of God, if it's not according to what God, if it's not lined up with God's Word, Everything that God does, everything that God is, that is doing, of course, he, he does new things. I realize that he's working and, and things that he's doing, but it's according to his, his word and that word becoming our standard. The first baptism is the baptism into Christ. Here's the second baptism of every believer. Every believer then is baptized into water. The agent of water baptism, the person who baptizes into water, is usually a pastor or, or, or a family member or someone of faith, a brother or sister, a joint believer in faith. It is the Holy Spirit that draws us to Christ for the first baptism. And then the agent in the water baptism, you see, when we are, when we are baptized into Christ, the, the Bible says the only way that we are saved is by grace through faith. How many know it's only by faith that you're saved through Jesus Christ? It's only by faith. Your salvation is not what you do. It's by faith in Jesus Christ. But James also says faith without works is dead. It cancels out. So the first baptism is by faith. I believe in Jesus, and so I receive Jesus into my heart, right? You've heard that term? Which then says because of that, that Christ coming in, he's dwelling on the inside of us. Christ is at home in us. He is preparing this place for the Holy Spirit. Think about it. The Holy Spirit doesn't fill this place until Christ makes it ready. Christ is the one, and we'll, let me get to that. But the first baptism is the baptism by, by, by uh, the blood of Jesus, and we receive that by faith. The second one is by obedience. Listen, if you've not been baptized in water and you're just disobeying God, it's not a healthy start for your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's... By faith, you need to walk in that obedience. And we have a water baptism be happening in March. We're going to be scheduling that. It's not one of those things that you have to do. The Bible says repent and be baptized. But it's an act of faith. It is, a, it is stepping out in obedience, which is some of our works, but it's in obedience to God's word and what he's doing in us. So the first baptism, the baptism into Christ. The second baptism, a baptism into water. And then the third baptism is a baptism into the Holy Spirit. In the first one, the Holy Spirit brings me to Jesus. I'm baptized in water through, through individuals, through relationship. But then in the third, it is Jesus who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Now, I've realized I'm trying to make this in a place that we can understand this and, and be able to comprehend what, what God is desiring us, the difference between being born of the Spirit and filled with the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says this, but we have all been baptized into Christ's body by one Spirit. Paul is recognizing there's a baptism into Christ's body. That is salvation through one spirit. We've all received the same spirit. Being born of the spirit is different than being filled with the spirit because one is an indwelling, the other is an outflowing. Through one there's an indwelling, the other there's an outflowing. Jesus said, you're to wait in Jerusalem because the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will receive what? Power. Everybody say power. Power. We live in a place where coal is, is harvested and used and, and given for the purpose of producing electricity, right? 
you understand at that process that it is not power the moment they, they harvest the coal or even bring it in or even put it into the plant. That's not power. The power isn't produced until that coal is processed and begins to change and begins to come out. It's only in the outflow that there's power. Are you following me? The power does not come because it came in. The power occurs because it goes out. So let me ask you, have you received the indwelling of Jesus Christ that is salvation? But the second question, like Paul asked the believers in Acts chapter 19 in Ephesus, have you received the Holy Spirit, the second work, the outflow? You've got the indwelling, but do you have the outflowing? And it's the power. Thank God for the indwelling. That is the greatest. Salvation through Jesus Christ. But how many know that's just that's not just the beginning? That is, the, that is the beginning of something more. But yes, being saved is, is the part of God's work, but he has more for us. There's more to the story than just him saving us from our sins. He wants to fill us with the power of his Holy Spirit that we might become his witnesses. And every gift of the Spirit is for this purpose, that it might proclaim who Jesus Christ is. Every healing that God does is not so that you can walk out whole. It's so that you, yeah, you can walk out whole, but so that Jesus Christ might be glorified in the work in your body. Every ministering work of the Spirit is all for this purpose, to edify Jesus Christ. The Spirit, the, the spirits that, or the, the gifts of the Spirit are not just for you to leave better than you came. It's so that you might carry the power of God's presence to be a witness to the world so that you might say, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. I once could not walk, but now I can run. It's a, it's a witness, and it causes us to be empowered that we might declare the glory of God. How many know it's a pretty good witness when you say I used to not be able to walk on this foot but now I can that's a witness it's a witness that's not a hey God loves me that much hey I go to a really cool church or hey I've got it really there's it has nothing to do with the person has nothing to do with anything else it has all to do with lifting up and acknowledging and declaring the name of Jesus Christ if what we seek and here's what we sometimes in traditional Pentecost if what we seek is just to have a label you miss the whole point if what we seek is just to be able to say, mm, I speak in tongues. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than all of you guys. It's not about your label. It's not so that you can say, I go to a church that's really spiritual. I do things that are really good. I've got this. And sometimes we've got to be careful because we use the gifts of the Spirit to acknowledge and sometimes puff up. And it becomes labels that we can wear. And we've got to tear up those labels and say everything that God wants to do is so that Jesus Christ might be glorified. Does that make sense? The work that God wants to do in our lives, the, the more that he wants to do. The one is about coming into my life, the other is about going out of my life. The three baptisms occur for this reason, because God wants to make us powerful. He wants to make us effective. Now, let me, let me describe it this way this morning. Is there anybody who wants to go to Olive Garden this afternoon for lunch? Anybody who wants to go to Olive Garden after lunch? You were the first one to raise your hand. Less. You want to go to Olive Garden after lunch? I, uh, I saw you at Olive Garden one time, and uh, that's there. Uh, see, I've got a $25 gift card to Olive Garden. And um, this $25 gift, $25 gift card is, you realize, the potential and all that it can have. You can receive this, and this morning I can give this to you. But if I'm giving this to less, it usually flows out of relationship. It's not likely you get a $25 gift card from a complete stranger. Now, Jesus Christ has given us something even greater, his life, his blood. He shed for us. You following me? 
And so because I have this gift card, I'm saying to you, Les, I'm saying, Les, hey, you're my brother. I have a relationship with you. I want you to have this. There's that gift card. The moment I give that, he receives it. We are in relationship. You see, the first work of the Holy Spirit is to bring us through forgiveness. Everybody say forgiveness. forgiveness. It's forgiveness. I've now had, he's received the gift that I've given. But how many know there are some people, I'll give it back, I promise. <laughs> I did say I promise, now I have to. Uh, there are some people who would say, oh, yeah, I understand the gift, but I don't want it. Right? There are some people who have, who have seen, hey, there's a gift, but I don't want the gift. But Les is saying, hey, by faith, and you've got to have faith because I'm telling you, Les, you can go there and you can use this card to get a stake. And by faith, you're trusting me. Now, obviously, we realize, well, yeah, we know that. But by faith, he's saying, I received that gift. By faith, he's receiving it. But how many know this is not the completion of what I'm offering him? He's like, give it to me, right? I'm not done yet, Les. I'm trying to preach. Wait. <laughs> Jesus has come to us and has said, hey, I've got something for you. I've got a gift that is for you. And you receive it by faith. And the moment you receive it, go ahead, this time it's all yours. I promise. The moment you receive it, you have received everything that comes with it. It's relationship. If there was any, if there was any difficulty between us, this is a gift that says I'm offering you forgiveness and you're receiving it. We are now walking in relationship. You can put that in your wallet. In fact, uh, Right here, I'm put it right here in your pocket. Les has got a, just keep it right there. It's rather handy for me to pickpocket on you. That just makes it easy for me. If you want to move your wallet up there too, that'd be helpful. Here is the gift, and I say to Les, Les, you received it, it's yours. Les could walk around for the next day, week, months, and Les could say, I'm walking in relationship with Jason. Jason gave me a gift. Now realize the most important thing. We could walk around and say, I'm walking in relationship with Jesus. Jesus has given me a gift and I've received that. I'm walking in forgiveness. I'm walking in relationship. But Les will never walk in fulfillment until he takes it to Olive Garden and presents it. Only then, because I could say to you, Les, they're going to bring out a great steak. It's going to come from the kitchen. It'll come all the way out on a hot plate. You're going to enjoy it. Only then will you be able to taste and see how good it is. You see, there's a lot of people who are walking around with forgiveness. Praise the Lord. That's good. That's good. The most important thing is to have forgiveness in Jesus Christ. But there's more to the story. There's more than just the forgiveness. That is the most important thing. Don't ever underestimate that. And listen, we must never make more out of, out of, out of the things that what matters the most is the salvation through the cross of Jesus Christ. Understand me. That is what matters the most. But there's more to the story. Because Paul said, did you receive the Spirit when you believed? Did you receive the Spirit? And you're walking around with potential. You're walking around with a relationship. We've had a, you received it. I gave it out of relationship. You received it out of relationship. We're in relationship. There are people who are in relationship with Jesus. But there are also, God says, I want to give you more. I've got more. So if you take that gift card and if you take it to the owner, he'll cause you to taste and see things that you could not imagine and experience an outflow right now you've got an indwelling but when you take it and redeem it you'll now have an outflow there'll be something that'll be more than just what you've 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 experienced here but what God can make even more a reality listen let me ask you today are you walking in forgiveness let me ask you are you walking in forgiveness maybe you need to ask your neighbor because they're not answering me ask your neighbor are you walking in forgiveness
But let me ask you this. Are you walking in fulfillment? Are you walking in fulfillment? Are you walking in the fullness? You see, anytime something gets filled, here's what the, the, the Greek word at the root of that, to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be controlled by. That The Holy Spirit pours out, and the one is what comes in, but the other work of the Spirit is what goes out. Does this make sense this morning? So you've received the first work, and I pray you have received the first work of the Holy Spirit, and that is to draw you to Jesus. It's like Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God, they all work together because they're one. And so the Holy Spirit says, hey, come to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is whispering and stirring our hearts. He doesn't dwell in us. He's stirring us. To then we say, Jesus, forgive us of our sins, to which Jesus makes himself at home in us. The moment he makes himself at home in us, he prepares this vessel so that we might hear the words like Paul said, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Do you not know that your body is the temple? Listen, three things that were in the temple, the place that represented the presence of God. You remember the Ark of the Covenant? There were three things on the inside of the Ark of the Covenant. One was the tablet, the, the, the stone tablets. Second was the budding staff, Aaron's budding rod. Third was the jar of manna, which says the Holy Spirit at work in my life, he overflows and that spirit that works in me, he provides, number one, God's direction in my life. How many know the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth? The tablets are God's direction. It's his voice. It's him speaking to us. Second, the rod, which uh, Aaron's rod that budded is God saying, I will produce miracles in your life. I am the God of miracles that the Holy Spirit at work in us produces miracles. And thirdly, the manna is God saying, I am your provision. I am Jehovah Jireh in your life. I will provide for you that when we are filled and controlled and living by the Holy Spirit and the, the Holy Spirit at work in us, he provides and he takes care of us in every measure and in every way. But just like everything that comes out there is an evidence of the holy spirit and what we what we hold to is that the evidence of the holy spirit receiving the holy spirit is speaking in other tongues now listen speaking in tongues is the again not a label because there's more than just speaking in tongues but tongues is available to everyone here jesus says this he says in john 4 14 he says these words he's talking to the samaritan woman and he says to the woman, he says, whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Notice it says it will become a well in them. It become a spring in them, right? And so he's talking about that indwelling. There's a spring that's inside here. You can receive that. But then a couple chapters later, Jesus is speaking. And listen what he says in chapter 7. In chapter 7, Jesus says, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will what? Flow from within, which means it will flow from this place. In the first one, it will spring up a well inside for eternal salvation or eternal, eternal work of God in us in eternal life. It produces eternal life. The second causes the water to flow from us. You have the water that's coming in, but God doesn't want you to just have the water and keep it to yourself. Lord, I wish there would have been a greater amen on that one. Church, if all we think is our whole goal is to get saved and just sit here and be comfortable until Jesus comes. You are saved for the purpose that you that, that we are saved, that we might know Christ, but then that we might make him known that we would receive the power of the Holy Spirit to become witnesses. 
witnesses. To become witnesses. That it flows out of us. It begins to flow from us. That God wants that to flow from us. But here's sometimes what happens. Instead of that water flowing out of us, it gets filled up with dirt. I'm going to ask the worship team to come, and we're going we're gonna to close this morning, I realize. But here's my question to us today. I wanted, I, I wanted to take this from being one of those, oh, that's a weird topic that crazy people talk about, and those radical believers, radical people. Yes, I pray in tongues. Yes, it's available to everybody. But it's not about tongues. It's about the power that flows in our lives. It's about being able to flow in the gifts. Listen, three things occur whenever we are filled with the Holy Spirit. You receive more clarity. You receive a closer walk with Jesus. And there is a work of God that is produced from your life. Think about this. In the garden... Adam and Eve walked closely with Jesus, or with God, I'm sorry. Jesus was there. He was, he was the light of the world. That's another topic for another day. But Adam and Eve walked with God. The Bible said that they had relationship with God, that they saw everything in its beauty. But the moment sin entered the world, what did Adam do? He hid. So he no longer saw beauty. He now saw shame. He no longer walked with God. He went to hiding. He no longer was able to partake in what God produced and what God created out of nothing, by the way. God created all that out of nothing. He was now in a separated place. But here's what happens when we receive the Holy Spirit. We receive Jesus Christ. We are restored to God. That is the first work of the, of the Holy Spirit. But then the second work is the Spirit flowing in us and causes us to have greater clarity. How many know one of the gifts of the Spirit is words of wisdom and discernment? We need discernment today in our world. That when you walk in discernment, you're able to tell, hey, this is of God, this isn't of God. We need discernment greater than we've ever needed it before. And if that's a gift of the Spirit, we better say, oh God, spring up a new well inside of me because I need a gift of your Spirit that I might discern Mom and dad, you need discernment to raise your children. You need the anointing. You need, the, you need discernment. I'm going to ask the worship team to play softly this morning. This is going to be our prayer. And I, I pray that your, your heart is in, enlightened, encouraged, to take away some of the mysticism of what's behind that. I don't understand it all because obviously it's all a matter of faith. I've got to believe God. But the Holy Spirit, when He comes in and works, there's a song we used to sing in kids' church, spring up a well within my soul. Spring up a well and make me whole. The whole truth. Let me tell you, Abraham, I'm sorry, Isaac, Genesis 26, you can read this and, and read it when you go home. There's something the Spirit was just stirring in me. In Genesis 26, Isaac had moved among uh, Abimelech and the Philistines. He becomes so wealthy and so rich, so powerful. They said, we can't contain you here. Get out. But before they got out, the Bible says this. It says that they became jealous of Isaac. That they filled his wells with dirt 
and they put a stop on his wells. But look what it says in verse 18. It says, Isaac reopened the wells that his father had dug. He reopened the wells. And then I love, not only did he reopen the well that was his father, listen, he was restored to what his father had done. I want you to know the first work of the cross or the first work of the Holy Spirit is to restore us, to draw us to repentance. The Holy, no one is saved unless the Spirit of God draws them to repentance. That's what the Bible says. But then it also says that they reopened the wells and then the servants dug other wells and they found a gushing fresh water. They weren't just satisfied to reopen the wells that connected them to what his father had and what his father did. But they dug new wells and fresh, gushing fresh water. Does that make sense this morning? That God wants you to dig a well so that fresh waters. And anytime something comes out, the Bible says this, that out of the mouth, what? The heart speaks. Which is why tongues, there's an overflow that comes out when the river springs up on the inside. That there's an overflow that begins to flow. One of three things they did when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they all go together. They either prophesied, worshipped, or spoke in tongues. And all three require what? The mouth. So what I want to say to you today is say, God, I want you to spring up a well within me. And the best way to dig is to worship. Because worship leads to the presence of God and the presence of God leads to the infilling and the infilling leads to an overflow and the overflow leads to an atmosphere change and an atmosphere change turns into a place where God is moving among his people and a place where God is moving among his people is where Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Church, it's called a revival. It's, it's called a fresh move of God's spirit in a land that needs it. It's called a renewing, a renewing. And how many, listen, I can, we can be renewed every day in the presence of the Lord. But God gives us that privilege. And so this morning, what I want to challenge you and encourage you in is to dig a well. To dig. And say, God, cause that spring. Not, just, not a spring to just be inside of me, but let there be a river that will flow out. Oh, somebody just raise your hand if that makes sense this morning. I, I don't know if that's making sense to you today, but when that river flows, let me tell you what happens. That river flows in such a way that when opposition comes, I, I, gotta, I, I know I'm taking a little longer. You'll, you'll forgive me. Every well that Abraham dug, the first one he dug, the fir- I'm sorry, Isaac, the Bible says that other people came along and the locals argued over it. I want you to know every time you dig, the Holy Spirit's going to, I'm sorry, every time you dig, the enemy's going to come to bring opposition. Every time you dig. And so he left that well and began to dig another one. This time he dug a well, and that one was called argument. This one was called opposition because there was still something coming against him. But he kept digging. And then the Bible says that when he dug, he called that place Rehoboth. 
And he called it Rehoboth because it means open space. And here's what I believe, that when you keep digging, the Holy Spirit will bring you to a place of liberty, a place of freedom, a place of openness, where you don't have to live according to the circumstances of your life, but you can live in the power of the Holy Spirit. That there can be an overflow. That when the enemy comes to argue or bring opposition, you don't have to say, oh, i got to call Pastor Jason. Oh, i got to call Pastor Josh. Oh, i got to call so-and-so. i got to do this. No, you've got a well inside of you that says, no, God has brought me to an open place there's nothing that can separate me I'm living and walking in the power of God's word and the power of his presence does that make sense the Holy Spirit isn't just for us to have a Holy Spirit Barnum and Bailey circus on Sundays I love the move in the Spirit of God, but church, help us if all we get is something that happens here. But you know what? This this is not a oh, we're good. But let me tell you, Jordan a couple days ago was sick. It was on a Sunday night. And as she was sick, we came home from church, and she's laying on the couch. She's not feeling good. She's got a fever. And we heard the stories. There's a flu. This bug's going around. It's going around to everybody. And I said to Jordan, I said, you're not going to be sick in the morning. And we prayed, and we said, and no one else in this house is going to be sick because we believe that God is our healer. She woke up Monday morning, went to school. Everything was fine. Actually, no, she didn't go to school because it was a snow day. She didn't go to school because it was a snow day, but she played. She was fine. The fever was gone. There was nothing there because we serve a God who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above what we can ask or think. What I want you to know today is that you don't need Austin Jones to show up to cause something to happen in your life. We don't need, listen, I thank God for the evangelists. I thank God for the ministries and those roles. But what I'm telling you, the Spirit didn't leave with Austin when he left last week. That didn't move away in any moment. The Spirit did never leave at any time. Except the moment God wanted us to see something different and we weren't willing to look. And set the dip. Listen, the only time you can oppose God, I want you to know this, God is always for you. The only time you'll read in the Bible that God's not for you is when there's pride. The Bible said God opposes the proud. Oh, God opposes the proud. Can I tell you, criticism comes from a partial, it might not be complete pride, but there's, there's a spirit of pride in us. That when we become critical, there's a spirit of pride. And we become an opposite. We miss what God wants to do. And we miss what God has for us. But here's what I believe. The power of God is so great and God is so good that if you just keep your eyes on him, forget about so-and-so. Forget about what's happening. And may I might even say, forget about me and just let your eyes be on Jesus and allow him to do what he wants to do in your life. Because nothing can stop the house or the presence of God. The Bible says that he is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it which means we've got nothing but power and expectation and great things to look forward to does that make sense this morning so what I want to encourage you the enemy comes along and he says hey here's an argument here's opposition don't put your shovel down pick it up start digging and start saying God I'm going to dig because there's a well And when I keep digging, the well gets greater. When I keep digging, it gets stronger. And he leads me to an open space. Some of you need to go to an open space today. Some of you are at a place where you feel like you can't even breathe because every time you turn around, there's problems. God wants to lead you to an open place. 
where when you breathe, you might be like Daniel in a lion's den, but there's a presence of God that is keeping you, that you're cocooned in the presence of God. You don't even know what's going on around you because all you know is there's a presence of God surrounding you and he's about ready to make a butterfly come out of that mess and about ready to make something new in the midst of chaos. Man, I just sense the presence of God wanting to do something great in your life today. Why don't we just say, God, go ahead and do it. Are you saying, can it be that simple? Yep. Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week.